Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. Hello, hello, Gaining Momentum community. Welcome back for the second part of our conversation on aging, mortality, death, dying, all that lighthearted stuff that we've been talking about in this series. Abby, this episode is coming out when? This episode's coming out on my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) How's that feel for you? I mean, it's a little weird when I was looking at our release schedule and realizing the second part of our conversation on aging and mortality would come mm-hmm. out on like the final year before I turn 40. Is it? Yeah. Is it stirring it up a little? It's got you thinking? It is. It's like first, just the yeah. irony of it. It did make me laugh because I was like, oh, okay, we never do conversations on aging mortality. But for one, just for a pod to come out on my birthday, because my birthdays aren't always on Thursdays anyway. And then for it to be this year, it just made me laugh. A lot of stars had to align for this to be the reality of this moment, for it to come out on that day. When you said stars, yeah, I immediately started like picturing my favorite celebrities. And then I was like, no, that is not the meaning of it. They're all lined up like happy birthday, Abby. We could, we'll see what we can do. I heard cameo is a thing now that you can like get celebrities to. Oh my God. Yes. But I feel like oh, no yeah. shade to cameo, but like, I don't think like necessarily like Gabrielle yeah. Union's yes. on cameo yeah. or like Maya Rudolph or. <laughs> yeah. My cousin-in-law just had one done for him. That was like. I can't even remember. It was like very obscure, but I think like it tickled him. So yay. Oh, my Good. friend for her work Christmas party got Kenny mm-hmm. G to do one. Get. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Did Kenny hop on the sax or was it just vocal? Oh yeah. No, it was vocal. And then he, he, he saxed it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. We may have to get one for GM. I don't know. I'm just saying. Oh my God. Oh. Yes. Who would we get to do a GM promo? Oh my God. A cameo? We got to think about it. We're going to take, let's take that away and chew on it and we'll come back. (laughs) And if anybody has suggestions, we would love to hear. We should throw that up as a poll. We will definitely throw that up as a poll. Who would it be if you, if we could get some, uh, a cameo celebrity GM promo done? Who would you want to see? Oh, if anyone, after my friend told us about the Kenny G one, I Uh spent like conservatively two and a half hours scrolling through Cameo, checking out which people were on it. For anyone who doesn't know, Cameo's like, kind of like an Uber Eats for celebrities. (laughs) (laughs) Where like, you go on, you pick the celebrity and you pick like Uh what message you want them to send. It could be a video message. I think it could just be a voice message. And you basically just like place an order and then they deliver it to you within a certain set number of days and And you pay for it then you have a personalized message from Kenny G G. or oh do you know who the biggest who made the most on cameo last year who Kevin from the office get out (laughs) yes (laughs) he made a million dollars on cameo last year oh my god so I wonder if this is like the thing that very niche stars like lesser known 
who are maybe like not getting a lot of work, this is where they're putting their time and attention. I think so. Cause he, well, cause like I said, I went down like a real deep dive on Cameo yeah. after. So he, yeah, yeah he earned a million dollars cause he's apparently like very kind, yeah. very courteous, has a quick turnaround time. Yeah. Um, makes your messages like very personable yeah. and like very fun. So people. He's got a real high rating on yes, Cameo. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like an Uber driver, literally. Yeah. Like, how does this person do? That's amazing. We're going to follow up on that. I That just came out of nowhere, but I love it. I think it's like <laughs> something we got to look into. I was interested, though, to hear, you know, like way before the new year, we we were talking about like our intentions. And now we're a few, we're like a month plus deep into 2021. Mm -hmm. How's it going over there with your uh, 2021 intentions? It's going. Yeah. I, so my, to to reiterate what my intentions were, Mm -hmm. they were to keep getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. to work on my patience Mm -hmm. and to increase my, the gratitude that I show towards and my appreciation for my family and friends. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure if I'm thinking about someone that I let them know that I'm thinking about them and just like say a quick hi and that it doesn't have to be like a whole thing, but I can just be like, Hey, you're on my mind. How's it going? Yeah, exactly. How's it going with that stuff? Uh, Pretty good so far. Good. I'm getting more comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. All the time. You know, I'm getting better at expressing my needs Mm -hmm. and also kind of just... If somebody says something that I think is offside, mm-hmm. then calling them on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm also getting better with like people calling me on stuff mm-hmm. because, you know, the mm-hmm. default mode is to get defensive totally. for a lot of people. And yeah. I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. But now what I do instead of like reacting defensively, mm-hmm. I've reached a point where I can just sit with it. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't answer. Like when somebody tells me something, I can just be like, okay. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, well, I did whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. And then I go away and I think about it on my own and like, yep. sure. Sometimes I'll get mad. And sometimes I'll be like, I don't think so. But like I do that processing on my own instead of like hurling it at the other mm-hmm. person. And then I'm able yeah. to like think about it and not feel like I have their eyes on me watching me think about it. And then I can come back and be like, Hey, actually that was a valid point. Yeah. I really think everyone needs to like rewind the last 30 seconds and re-listen to everything you just said about taking feedback <laughs> and internalize that process because that's amazing and not easy to do. It's it's un- like it's, you know, it's uncomfortable. But at the same time, if someone's taking the time to constructively mm-hmm. call me out on something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when somebody's saying something from a place of love and a place of kindness and a place mm-hmm. of caring and a place of like just wanting to see you do better, mm-hmm. then like that's worth listening to. I mean, if someone's just mm-hmm. saying it just to be a dick, then obviously yeah. like, yeah, yeah, boy, bye. Totally. Yeah. It's like, say thank you and like approach it with gratitude. Right. The feedback. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How's your patience going? You know, some days good, some days I have none of it. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm actually almost at the end of a 28-day meditation challenge. And that has actually been quite helpful. So shout out to the friend who uh, introduced me to this challenge. Mm -hmm. Because it's doing meditation in different ways. Like there's like eating meditations Mm -hmm. where you're just paying more attention as you're eating food to the texture. Oh, I like that. To the, what it tastes like, to the chewing, Mm -hmm. to what, like the act, like the way it feels in your hand. Mm -hmm. And then I did one too on like washing dishes where you're just paying attention as you wash the dishes to the temperature Mm -hmm. of the water, to how the soap feels, like just things to get you present in the moment. Yeah. I love that. And I find when I'm more present in the moment, I can be more patient. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I knew this meditation challenge was helping because my son went through a stint recently where he was waking up in the night. Oh, okay. And instead of just like chilling out and going back to sleep, he just 
appear beside me and like be talking <laughs> to me so that I would wake up with this child's face beside my face hi, mom. being like hi mom yeah. <laughs> at like three in the morning and usually like you know because then you wake up like ah the creepiest <laughs> creepiest experience and so like you're not always at your best when you're startled away yeah. <laughs> uh, but this time I remember being like okay don't get mad yeah and I actually responded from a place of gratitude mm-hmm. which like this sounds fake and made up and I would think it was fake and made up except for I was there yeah because <laughs> it was me and, <laughs> and so I I remember thinking to myself okay you should be happy that he got scared in the night and thought to come mm-hmm. to you, that you're a safe space for mm-hmm. him to come to, because it won't always be like this. He won't always come to yeah. you in the night and he won't always come to you when you're scared. So enjoy it mm. and just try to encourage it so that he can always come to you no matter what. Oh, that's beautiful. And so then I like got up. Yeah. Like it was mm-hmm. insane. And like, mind you, if he continued to wake up every night, three in the morning, like horror, like, I don't know, like Damien <laughs> style or Chucky style. Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably be over it, but he just did it like three nights in a row. And so I was like able to maintain Mm -hmm. my sanity for those three nights. Snaps for you for recognizing your growth in that department and big time snaps for that meditation exercise over the last 28 days. I think that's something I need to dig into because my patience is not going well. (laughs) Oh, it's some days, like some days, like just like daily routine stuff, I think tries Mm -hmm. my patience the most. Yeah. We were talking about this before we jumped on about how like mornings are a real struggle and morning routines and like the routine is the same every day how is this hard every day yeah like Mm -hmm. why is brushing your teeth have to be a Mm -hmm. bottle every time Mm -hmm. because like lately I'm trying to explain to my son like I'm not helping you brush your teeth for my benefit Mm -hmm. like (laughs) yeah like when it comes to the end of the day Mm -hmm. they're your teeth and it's like your body's health (laughs) like uh, we're brushing your teeth for you and so lately I've been like do you like eating? And I'll pick like a food that you need to chew. Yeah. And then I'll be like, you need your teeth for this. Yeah. If you don't take care of them, you will not have them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that approach. I We use that with my older son a lot, getting real data oriented, real fact, real fact based with like, this is what A plus B equals C, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah. And I think for my final one, gratitude, mm-hmm. showing appreciation, I mean, it's going to be an ongoing thing, but mm-hmm. so far I think I'm doing a decent job mm-hmm. or someone will come to mind and I'll just like quickly like reach out and message them. Mm-hmm. It's a bit tricky sometimes because I'm also trying to spend less time on my phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's like that thing where I'm like, oh, I just thought of this person, but I also just feel like I've been on my phone too much. I just, I need like a mm-hmm. break, just like a yeah. couple days where I just put my phone down for a few hours at a time. So I just want to say like, also be kind to yourself that like you're doing the best you can with the circumstance that you exist in to reach those goals and to like set and to like meet those intentions. So I see it, I recognize it. And you're always super good about like throwing your gratitude my way. So thank you for that. No problem. And then I'm also showing gratitude and appreciation just for like my heritage and our journey because it's Black History Month. And so, you know, it's a good time to be Mm -hmm. reflective and think about it. And it's just sort of not even just like necessarily good time to do it, but a good Mm -hmm. time to notice and carry it forward because it's February, the beginning of the year. So it's just sort of a reminder Mm -hmm. to think about the contributions that Black people have made to society and the struggles and the histories we're not a monolith. Mm -hmm. There's people from all over the world. And I think it's just, if you don't usually give much thought to people Mm -hmm. uh, across the world who are black and who are really just from different races than you are, it's a good time to do Mm -hmm. so. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of seeing Black mm-hmm. History Month as a chance to check in on our anti-racism work of like our life for some of us, our lifetime. But for some of us, it's a new exercise, maybe in the last year or so that folks are getting more engaged with. So this kind of feels like a timely moment to like check in on how that's going and what what intentions are you setting and like what behaviors are you checking and how are you engaging in your community and your family and your life in a meaningful way with that those that work but also a time to like reflect on the beauty that is the contributions that we have in our world from like you said like I don't not I it's hard I wouldn't say like the black community because obviously not a monolith but from black art to black writing to black film and that's something we've been trying to also feature within our gaining momentum community over the last few Mondays. So we'll continue to do that. Yeah. On our Instagram. Yeah. On the Instagram. And so from here, it's like a good, like you said, a good check-in to then be like setting intentions for moving forward out of February. And like, how are you going to continue to engage with, um, you know, all that stuff moving forward. It's been an interesting, it's been an interesting black history month to see like who's walking the walk um, Mm -hmm. versus just talking the talk Mm -hmm. publicly and otherwise. Right. Yeah, for sure. And you were saying about intentions. Let's check in with yours, Meg, your 2021 intentions. Oh, okay. So some of them are going well and some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. Like patience has been a real struggle. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling quite burnt out at, at this point in February. Mm-hmm. So I won't, I'll, you know, we kind of already reflected on it when you were talking about patience for you. All the same stuff. I'm struggling to stay regulated <laughs> when things are painstaking sometimes. And like, right, I'm also trying to have a lot of grace for myself because we're 11 months into a global pandemic and just trying to like get by and live and work and do all the things. Yeah. I think like I'm doing, trying really hard to confront and do better about like fear-based decision-making. Mm-hmm. So like I had some like shifts in my life in the last month where um, I've had some new opportunities come up and I'm really trying to lead with like confidence and like, I deserve this. You do. And not living in a place of like, imposter syndrome but really trying to be like Mm -hmm. no like this is this is good and you have earned this and um, you're going to be great Mm -hmm. moving forward in this space Mm -hmm. so that I feel like is like has been a nice opportunity to practice that a bit and then my other one was oh intentionality with my time working on it Mm -hmm. I'm like, I am, I struggle with this a lot because I'm like an eternal extrovert and I like to like give and give and give to the people in my life, but I am just like logistically really strapped for time, like with the demands of like anyone with day-to-day life, with work, family commitments, all that stuff. Um, I don't think I'm doing a great job at this still. Like, I still think I am like, okay, you know, like not being genuine with my time. Um, Sometimes I'm giving time in spaces that I'm like, I don't really want to be giving my time here, but I feel compelled to because of like Mm -hmm. some kind of obligation. So I got, I'm just going to get curious about that and try to figure out what that is. If it's like feeling needed or if it's like, because I feel an ethical obligation, that's kind of like a different thing for me. But the impact is, is burnout, right? Yeah. Is if you're trying to do too much in too many different directions, I'm, you know, I have to really like pare down what my priorities are. So I'm going to continue working on it. I want to have a little bit of grace. Like some of this stuff is not easy practices to change, right? No, for sure. Give your definitely 
um, show yourself some grace and some mercy. Yeah, thank you. And while you were talking, there are like some, I, I soundtracked your intentions just based on words that you said. Because <laughs> then you were saying regulators. Yeah. Obviously, I thought of orangey. And then when you said that you're, that you earned, that you earned the work that you're doing now and the opportunities come your way. I thought of the weekend earned it. Yeah. Love it. And then for your final intentions, I immediately thought of Brittany. Give me more. Give me. Oh, and okay. We can't, we cannot get into Brittany right now. Yeah. No. Yeah. Just we'll put a pin in the Brittany conversation. I have so much to say. We'll talk about this off air. I have so much to say. Yeah. I love that. Should we shift into the guests for this week and the rest of the conversation that we had with Femi and Susan about death, dying, aging, and mortality? Absolutely. Stay tuned for more of my dad and Susan. Enjoy. Do you think that, you know, this sort of social justice awakening moment that we're in do you think it has an impact on the way that people think about something like more, their own mortality or death and dying? Just to, to sort of link those things together. Do you think it, yeah, how does that sort of change the way that people think about their own life and what they do with their own life and what that means for them in their own mortality? Uh, I've just, um, I did a some of these conversation circles. I did a couple of them uh, this spring on, I called it healing our broken world, but it was basically on racial justice. Mm -hmm. And again, wanting to bring that conversation to the table. What I found was awakening is the right word for sure. I think Mm -hmm. a big, big wake up for people. Uh, I did one here in Canada, Canada and another in the US with, Mm -hmm. you know, people from the different countries. And I thought there might be quite large gaps, again, in in the level of conversation, but it was very, very similar and uh, ended up with people really wanting to make a difference, feeling so grateful and so committed to action. It's like suddenly it's not good enough even to just be aware, you know, you've got to really do something. And I, I see that as quite hopeful that uh, we're, we're not only waking up, but we're starting to show up and, uh, and, and make some things happen, you know. Put that on the t-shirt, Abby. Yeah. We- we're not just waking up. We're starting to show up. That's I like really- that. Susan, woo, goosebumps. I know, I know. And I think like what you're speaking to there when we are talking about like just thinking about our lives and what it all means and even this idea of death and dying is about purpose and what we are spending our time doing and what we are committing our time here to. And is it uh, full of purpose in a way that, you know, creates equity or brings us towards a better future for everybody? That is true. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I'm going to go back to my existential roots again. Do Let's do, do it. it. Let's do it, Femi. Let's get and, existential. Yeah, and say that, uh, you know, people used to talk about the meaning of life. And I'm, and I'm not talking about meaning of life in terms of the, what's that uh, British show? <laughs> <laughs> the life of the I was going to say Monty Python. <laughs> yeah, Monty Python, yeah. Not, not in that context. But that, that's something that we're all searching for. And it makes one thing, if I live a good life, if I'm enjoying and my children are not, and my grandchildren are not, and their grandchildren are not, what meaning do I derive from my life? So shouldn't my life be meaningful? 
if the people who come after me are happy. Mm. If I'm happy and the people come after me are not, what kind of life have I lived? Because we should only live things better than when we started. Mm -hmm. So that's my way of thinking of it as, okay, whatever you do now, think of it in terms of whether it's your way of denying death by making life better for others or mm -hmm. your way of denying death by creating a degree of equity. Mm -hmm. You know, whichever way. At least that's one of the ways I look at it. I mean, you're talking. You're starting to talk about, you know, thinking about your children and your grandchildren. And I'm curious when you start to talk about that. When you became a parent or even a grandparent, did you see a shift in your relationship to these ideas around death and dying? I was a lot more careful. Mm. I think until I had my son. It was a pretty carefree life, uh, not much thought. I mean, partly just the age, you know, but I think I got a lot more careful. And I think the same thing happened with my grandchildren. I got a lot more careful again. Just, uh, I think, more, more thoughtful about, you know, the seven generations kind of idea that mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're not just flailing anymore. You, you do have purpose and you have responsibility with that purpose. And it, it puts some, some binders on, mostly quite welcome, I think, because of that, mm -hmm. because you're, you're thinking beyond, you know, mm -hmm. certainly uh, having, having grandchildren, uh, has done that a lot for me. Yeah, it's a, well, clearly it, it changes things for you. I mean, at least for me, it changed things. I have three kids. Um, what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm only aware of two. <laughs> breaking news, guys, breaking news. Yeah. This is where we choose to disclose that. Yeah. Oh, well. Sorry, you have two brothers. <laughs> yeah. And when the, as the grandchildren arrive one by one, there is a kind of, not only, well, there's that desire to enjoy them mm -hmm. differently. Mm -hmm. Because when, when the kids arrived, I was busy trying to make a living, <laughs> trying mm -hmm. to had to build a career. Mm -hmm. You know, time to play was weekend when, I'm, when I wasn't on call. And then, of course, in my own particular case, because I didn't, I did not live with the parent. I mean, with their mom, to the till they grew up. So I had those brief periods of time with them later, which became very important to me. Mm -hmm. So with the grandchildren, I also want to spend time with them to enjoy them, not necessarily physically, you know grabbing them from their parents and say no 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 that's cool i'm open that's to that fine you can do that you can take mine too while you're at it Honorary. i want to have that emotional connection and enjoy them mm -hmm. and that uh, susan has made that very easy for me to do and i enjoy that in terms of death i don't think so much about death because i don't want it to be there constantly in my life because it is going to happen Mm -hmm. So I'm not thinking about it. I, I mean, it's already it's determined that I will. When is, this, is the timing? And uh, since I don't know when, I want to enjoy them. I just hope that I'll have a chance for them to get to know me. Yeah, uh, that's, 
I appreciate that so much. And I also want to just kind of mention what you said, dad, about how Susan has made that easier. And I appreciate that because I think Susan's absolutely helped build. You guys have such a strong bond with my child, with your grandchild. And I really appreciate that because it's just so easy and it makes all of us so happy. So thanks for that, Susan. You're so welcome. Thank what you. a joy. What a joy. <laughs> I one of the things that has, uh, I don't know, it, I was going to say surprised me, and I guess that's, that's true enough, uh, has surprised me is that I didn't really think of myself as somebody who played a lot as a kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did. I did what kids do. As, and as a mom, I think, like Femi said, I, I was really busy. Like I was, you know, out and about and doing my thing and it's only becoming a grandmother that has really allowed me to get in touch with that thing about play. And mm. it's so great, you know? Uh, my grandparents, I, I spent summers with them most of my life, but they didn't play. They didn't ever get down on the floor or build puzzles or sand castles or go swimming with me or any of the things that I have done with my grandkids that I have enjoyed so much. So anyway, it's, um, it's, it's one of the great, great delights of this age is uh, the good fortune to have wonderful children and grandchildren who welcome you. I mean, I can't imagine how awful it would be not to be welcomed, you know, as a as a grandparent into the fold, so to speak. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. So now I want to take the moment to do our momentum shout out. So I was walking out with my child and I, we were cutting through a park and we saw a little boy shove his sister to the ground. The parents walked over and it was really impressive because simultaneously in one swoop picked up the fallen younger sibling and at the same time was speaking to the older sibling about the importance of helping people and not hurting them and responding mm -hmm. with kindness. And so I mm -hmm. thought that was really cool because first of all, multitasking, like well played, mm -hmm. but time. also just like instead of reacting with frustration at the older sibling shoving their younger sibling, taking the time to kind of reiterate the principles and why that behavior wasn't what would be appropriate in that situation. So shout out to you, parent, for multitasking and imparting lessons along the way. Love it. interesting too because you both became parents at a relatively young age Susan you were 20 is that right uh, just over yeah and dad you were 25 which like I didn't become a parent till 35 so it's interesting too because you guys were still like you said building your professional career and finding your own identities at the same time that you were thrust into this role of parenthood that is well said now you forgive <laughs> I forget dad I forget I was very young <laughs> <laughs> but I think there is something powerful in that when we hear you speak about your experience as uh, grandparents versus parents, because obviously we don't have that experience yet, that makes me stop and pause around, okay, well, I would want to make sure that 
you know, if I can, I'm taking that time to play now as a parent as well, because I'm kind of hearing it in your voice. It's not that it's like regret, but it's sort of like there is this thing that we're doing as parents where we're just trying to get through the day. We're trying to do our jobs. We're trying to get food on the table, bedtime, you know, the grind of daily life Mm -hmm. and making sure that that doesn't necessarily always get in the way of play and sort of connection and all those things, especially during a year like this year Mm -hmm. where the days bleed together and everything feels very hard. And sometimes I will say for myself as a parent, I definitely have taken for granted some of this year with my children because there are hard moments, Mm -hmm. but it has me taking pause a little bit when I hear you look back and reflect in that way. Yeah. I I mean, if uh, one of my go to uh, excuses was if I go and buy a fridge, okay, a software or something, mm-hmm. it comes with a set of instructions. <laughs> Man, those kids don't have any. <laughs> they sure don't. <laughs> no no they, manual. No manual. And they're even, they're, they're, they're better than artificial intelligence. Because they are that, as you think you mastered one piece, they come up with another. <laughs> Adapting yeah. and morphing as you go along. So, I mean, if I'm to tell any parent and say, hey, you know what? You're doing the best you can. That's the most important thing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one felt like it was like it's speaking directly to us. That's something yeah. we need to remind ourselves of <laughs> for <you>. sure. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to make gaining momentum that manual sometimes but it's more just it's more of a journey together (laughs) and trying to collectively figure out how to do this thing in the way that we want to right right it's uh, making the path by walking it yes yes in your case Another (laughs) t-shirt. So the whole excuse for this episode is just to generate (laughs) merchandise so merchandise (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was gonna say one of the things I found so hard this year is being separated from my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of the opposite. If you've had too much, I've had too little. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's just, it feels like, gosh, you know, time is short when you're this age mm-hmm. and you're, you know, watching friends kind of go, um, come mm-hmm. and go. It, it uh, Time is short. And so I feel like, you know, it's kind of been yanked away this mm. whole year of, uh, anyway. Hopefully, we're, uh, we're going to get out of it fairly soon. Yes. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. I personally, like, I didn't really ever think about my mortality until I became a parent. And mm-hmm. then it just was, like, immediately hit me. And I just remember having this fear. Like, one night, I actually remember the moment, like, sitting there holding my kid mm-hmm. very, very late at night. <laughs> and just sort of thinking to myself, oh, I don't ever want to die because I never want to leave this child. I never Mm -hmm. want to be without him. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just wondering if you guys have any ideas or advice on how you would approach talking to children about aging and about mortality. I, I have a reference to a really good book. (laughs) We love a good book. We love a good resource on gaining momentum. All right. It's called cry heart, but never die. And it's death coming to call at the kitchen table with the grandmother up in the bedroom. 
And uh, it's a very, very sweet book and very instructive for children uh, to normalize dying. And um, so it's one I've recommended to many grandparents, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it just it just normalizes the dying process and the fact that it's, uh, you know, the grandma flies away in the end and it's okay. Mm. And uh, so for me, it, it is normalizing. It's allowing them to see. Uh, when my grandmother died, I wasn't allowed to see. I was mm. put in the back room. It was, it, was, um, it was not a good closure. So I think there is something to be said for allowing it to happen and allowing your children to be as involved as age appropriate, obviously. Mm. But and if it's sudden, then it's sudden and it's a loss and there's not much you can do. But if it's more gradual, I think it's important for kids to, just as they see us aging, to also see us dying if, if that's what's up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so that they can, uh, they can process it as it goes along and not be cut off somehow. And do you think that fear or that um, habit maybe historically to try to shield kids from the idea of death and dying, like, does, do you think that lives mostly with our own fear or the own fear that people carry with themselves? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, well, a lot of your audience are going to be Canadian, North Americans, mm. but they also there's a lot of uh, multicultural component in Canada. So there is no one way of looking at death per se. Different cultures have different ways of looking at death. Uh, I'm originally from Nigeria, as you know, uh, growing up, I know that there were deaths. And when uh, the, the way you know that there's a death in the small town is the wailing of people on the streets. So you kind of associate that wailing, people crying and wailing and, you know, pounding on themselves as somebody has died. Mm. I don't remember the age when I realized that, but I was very young, that when there's the wailing out there, then it means somebody has died. And then uh, you know that you don't see that person anymore. And then the funeral parade that that went through the small town, you know, meant that that person is never going to be seen again. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, uh, the way you know whether the dead person, the family member, would be that as the as the wailing got closer to the home, it it's picked up, it was picked up by you know family members. Then you knew <laughs> that person was a relative. <laughs> so otherwise, instead of just being sympathetic, you joined the wailing. So you knew that the loss was right at home with you. So that was my childhood experience. And then, of course, a lot of that got washed away in medical school. (laughs) Because you can't wail every day. (laughs) (laughs) There's no wailing in medical school. (laughs) No, it wasn't. It wasn't. So I don't know. Would I discuss it with my grandchildren? I don't know, but the, my, the aging part was probably easier because when my grandson, the one in Vancouver, when my grandson comes to play, he wants to play <laughs> for a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on my knees, and then the knees start to hurt, and then you find that you have to keep getting up. Mm-hmm. So you have to say, so you have to say, hey, kid. I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So I think my grandson probably associates my inability to do certain things with aging. <laughs> so I, that, I was going to say that's that normalizing again, though, I think, like yeah. not shying away from this is real and this is what it is. And it doesn't mean that grandpa can't be fun and play and be such a powerful part of life. But this is what happens. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, you can still do what you're doing, but uh, when you can't do it, you have to explain it. <laughs> Luckily, we have Paw Patrol for that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on Paw Patrol. Oh, as our listeners say, Luckily oh, for you God. guys, but then he comes home and all he wants to talk about is Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're supposed to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I've been noticing lately with my youngest, because we did go through this with my with my older, my kids are eight and three, well, just about nine and three at this point, there's a bit of a obsession around death right now with my littlest. So there's a real like reckoning and like sort of just deep curiosity about what, what, what does that mean? And because we have had loss in our family and there's gaps in like the parental structure and grandparent structure. Yeah. Just this sort of like Frank blunt curiosity that seems to just keep coming up all the and even if we talk about somebody he's trying to make sense of are they dead are they is is so and so dead or are they alive and so i've been yeah it's been interesting i have a little bit of experience from my older child having dug into similar things but sort of bumbling through that as a young parent um not not exactly knowing ex you know the right thing to say but i feel comforted in the way that you're talking about normalizing and just kind of confronting and talking you know, honestly and frankly about what that means in, and that we all, you know, and then there is this piece where then they start to think about their own mortality in an interesting way. Like, am I dead or am I alive? Like as a little three-year-old and trying to make sense of that with them. So I don't have the answers, but I, I, I feel like we're on the right track with this idea of normalizing and just sort of having this, the discussion. In the younger days in my kids days younger mm -hmm. days one way we did that was uh, everybody had a a pet gerbil or pet mm -hmm. parakeet mm -hmm. <laughs> and those pets do have ways of dying <laughs> <laughs> whoa whoa it sounds like you went dr kevorkian on our pet <laughs> <laughs> well, i thought i thought they all went to the farm <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> So that's one way that we introduced the idea that, hey, it's, it's lying there in the cage, not moving. We call that dead. Mm. <laughs> You're never going to see it again. Then you go through the, the procedure of burial in the backyard mm -hmm. and, and the final goodbye. Except for my one fish that I think it was like you, dad, got me fish for Christmas or birthday or something when yeah. I was in grade eight. And this was a fish named Nightcrawler. And it <laughs> did, it lived for like eight years. Like it lived until after I went away to university. So I think it didn't die. And I think my mom finally was just tired of being responsible for it because <laughs> I was away at university. So I think he might have just been flushed. But like <laughs> I was like halfway through university at least until this before this fish decided that it was time to go. I feel like this is going to be where a reveal comes, where Femi's like, actually, that was not the same fish. And we continuously <laughs> oh, replace no, that. Oh, no, it fish. was. It absolutely was. Because I was the one, it was in grade eight, so I was the one who took care of that fish and cleaned the aquarium and stuff. <laughs> Trust me, I, by the end, I was like, come on, why is this fish still why here? Are you still alive? <laughs> I had the opposite role, where I was like, wishing for death. <laughs> but that's a great, great idea, though, around pets and just sort of like using those more 
lower those lower stakes losses I guess as a place of learning and practice around and I love even what you're saying Femi about like ritual and it doesn't necessarily have to be you know rooted in a particular faith or whatever that looks like for you for you even in your own familial practice like figure out what that ritual means for you in your family when these things happen exactly yeah exactly well, I feel like that might be a good place to wrap things up. Do either of you, Dad or Susan, have any final thoughts that you want to share with the Gaining Momentum community? Well, just that this has been great. <laughs> Likewise. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's, it's fun. And we, as I said earlier, we are great followers of your program, even though Thank we don't you. have kids now, but we have grandchildren. We've enjoyed the what you guys have been discussing, the advices, and uh, please continue. Well, I'm leaving this in. I'm not cutting this out. No, this is, <laughs> we're definitely, this is the promo right here. <laughs> thank you guys so much. It's been such a pleasure. Yes, thank you. We appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to having more of these conversations with you guys off the mic. Okay. Indeed. Bye, Megan. Bye. Bye. And now it's time for us to pause for momentum. So many questions. Were you ever a kid? When 10 is 50 is 80. Why is getting older hard? A concept that changes as we age. What does died mean? So many questions. I have so few answers. If I'm feeling overloaded, responses may be delayed. But like me, they will never be absent. Go ahead. Ask me about life. My kid days are long gone, but I will try to think like one to give what you need to know and marvel and wonder with you. We acknowledge that Gaining Momentum is recorded, produced, and edited on the unceded territory of the Selic Okanagan people and the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil nations. Gaining Momentum. Gaining Momentum. Hosted by making an app. With artwork by Catherine Cat. Music by Evan Dysart. Please check our show notes with each episode for more information on Catherine and Evan, plus how you can stay in touch with us through email, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you.